Hello and welcome to Mon Animism, a very convoluted guide. I'm your podcast host Sarah Jane and in this session we'll be explaining forms of animism. Previously I looked at the difference between animism and shamanism, both of which evolved millions of years ago while humanids were still gaining the style of brains we now currently employ. I also mentioned there was an additional unnamed spiritual belief that came into existence between animism and shamanism, a religious system that's so ubiquitous that's employed by all religions even to this date. This belief that occurred between animism and shamanism is a type of panpsychism in which a belief in an afterlife was first conceived of, as in, where do all these spirits go when they're not around me? Animism is synergistic, meaning that it blends into all other religions. We also understand that animism is a basis for anthropology, child development, Freud's theories on sexual development in psychoanalysts. But what I've not touched upon yet is animism's role in the development of philosophy. It is possible to discuss animism without reference to consciousness. But consciousness is such a large part of animism. When we ask who are we, what are we, where do our souls go to after death, we're looking at the possibility that there are things other than ourselves that exist in the world. And what about the nature of our soul? Are we comprised of consciousness? Or do we remain here just because of chi? Or do we have an inbuilt energy system linking into us and supplying all our lives with mana? Therefore, animism is based upon the supply of vital energy and mana. Does our soul exist externally? Or does it need to be developed through sustained use? Could, for example, the same way exist within objects? Do they become soulful? filled with anima because of their use and utility. Just in the same way a human soul develops because it's used the right way. Do we grow morally because we use our consciousness to understand moral and thinking, you know, leading us further towards heaven? Because that would indicate that only we with intellect and consciousness were able to evolve a soul. Or is it the case, as we find in East Asian countries, do we reincarnate? And if that's the case, you know, we're not going on somewhere. We've got no reason to really understand morals. But obviously we do need to still have a soul. We still need to have a consciousness. We still need to have that chi or vital energy. And we need that because we're going to have to take it into our next role. Suppose we should reincarnate into a rock or into an insect. We'll need to, do we still take that consciousness with us in each step? And what happens to our lives after death? These are all philosophical questions that use animism and animist beliefs to search for an answer. And you know, animism isn't the end of the belief. We don't just say, yes, animism says this. There are actually different versions of animism. So you, all of those thinking could be correct for one person but incorrect for another. The 
popular version of animism includes vitalism, and this is a very Western idea of animism, in which one can imbue something with energy. Therefore, if you're giving energy to an object, that object can then have life. And this vital essence idea is first recorded by the ancient Egyptians, um, but we consider it to be used in like healing, where you pass energy into something to promote wellness. So one can channel vital energy, such as chi or in Reiki. We can also um, bring it down as a medium. We can bring the spirit of essence of something into ourselves. We can transfer essence from one spot to another. Um, and such as things like homeopathy, one type of remedy will have an identical signature to a different remedy. And this is a very much Western ideas of how something works energetically. It's a form of transferable spirit, and the spirit being something vital, as opposed to a soul. Um, one can use the energy of a space for transcendental work. Um, and it's all about, vitalism is all about working with essential energy, with about something having life because it has an essence. But the second style of animism is panpsychism. This is where we don't see the object as being alive because it contains a vital energy. We see it's alive because it has a soul. And in some instances, things are alive because they have consciousness. In panpsychism, all objects have a soul, even the smallest rock. All objects have the capacity to make a decision, i.e. a rock could make a decision. Albeit this decision might be very tiny, it might be a question of being like switch from an on position to an off position. Such a very small movement happening on an atomic level or on an energetic level. And in some examples of this belief system, the whole world works because of all these small on off switches happening on an atomic level. That implies that everything has life, everything has consciousness, the ability to make these decisions. And between all the different objects making this decision, this is how the world works and functions. So i.e. we only exist as humans because things occurring on an atomic le level are making the world operate for us. They're holding the consciousness of the entire world in check. So things only occur because everything is working as a function. Everything sees everything and is keeping everything in check. An extension of this panpsychism, we have panspiritualism, in which all objects have a soul. Um, and they don't just have the capacity to make a decision on an energetic level, that everything has the capacity to make a decision because the consciousness and the soul of the object doesn't reside inside it, but it resides in a separate space, in an energetic place, in a different dimension. And pan-spiritualism is very popular with believers of reincarnation because it promotes the idea that this soul that's within the objects or the soul within us, it moves on to a new form after death. Therefore, all objects have this same identical consciousness and we're taking it along like the way we carry karma through our lives. We'll move on to our next stage and everything we held from this life will come forward with us. 
So I myself in my next life could be a rock, but I'm carrying on the experiences and beliefs that I held in this life and take them into the next. And in that way, all different objects have equal value. And the final form of um, animism that I'm recording today is hylozoism. Hylozoism is important to us because it's been the basis of new animism, which obviously this podcast is based upon, um, and more so than any other form of animism, um, you know, pan-spiritual everything. Most of what we're looking at is hylozoism in this podcast. Uh, but I have to say, I have to point out just interject there that I've been going through them in date order like vitalism has been the eldest panpsychism was the next oldest and panspiritualism is probably the 1700s we're looking at and so this hylozoism it's um around about 1860 that this comes into effect um and so that's when we see new animism starts to take shape and the idea about this um is the concept that there's only one soul in the universe that we all have individual consciousnesses but those consciousnesses feed into one large superorganism so we're all tapping in and feeding into this one thing and this also implies that when we rise if we're going to rise in consciousness that the whole system has to rise together as a unit Well, panpsychism taught us that the consciousness of inanimate objects makes the world of reality. The work of hylozoism similarly suggests that our joint consciousness makes the world work in its entirety. We all function and everything functions because it's observed by other things that are functioning. Hylozoism is probably less known as Gaianism. It's not just the belief in a superorganism. It also the idea of the Gaia theory that the Earth is a superorganism, and because of Earth's actions in the past, it's made it, the world better organized for life forms to live on, as opposed to we're molding the Earth. The Earth molds us. Hylozoism is utilized in animal rights and environmental protection to promote the idea that all matter is equal. It tells us we must protect the planet because everything has purpose, everything links together. We're all feeding into each other, like a symbiotic relationship. Hylozoism um, is used in architecture and gardening. It creates environmental animism because we have the idea that all creatures must live in harmony. Um, but hylozoism doesn't automatically grant an eternal soul or consciousness. And we might hear the terminology, I'm returning to source. It's the idea that after we're done, we return back to this unity. But this in turn suggests that facets of human morality are redundant, that we don't have to morally grow to get into heaven. Um, but we do have to morally grow because we're a part of a learning process for this group soul. But what it really means is we're reducing the need for free will and all experience is valid. So there's no real negative experiences, no positive. We all have experiences that we need to have.
all these new ideas, new animism, and promotes new morals in animal rights and to human morality. These are all based upon hylozoism. And this is all obviously what we come to think of when we think of new animism. It's not about having plants or rocks that have soul. New animism is all about working with that super organism to organize things here for us all. It's about building experiences that are fair and not exploitative. And new animism is a foundation for ideas regarding morality. Um, you build beliefs in consciousness that can be applied equally across all species. If we're all building into this one great overriding soul, it's important that everything has the ability to contribute. And the belief that everything has a consciousness on some level that's going to feed back into this system. This also implies that new animism builds a type of morality uh, in which alternative worlds and astrotheology of life forms could be easily be incorporated if things are all equal it makes sense that it doesn't just happen to be equal here on this planet the superorganism is about or um, a system that operates universally across the entire universe on multiverse and also on subatomic layers of reality and this hylozoism is not person-centric one can easily apply the belief in a superorganism into the creation of all materials. Um, and it's about the working of everything, how everything comes together. And obviously, if you believe in hylozoism, you don't have to believe in all of these functions. You don't have to believe in all the systems. You don't have to believe in alien life or anything like that. Or you could just use it to look at morality. You might just use it to look at animal rights. Um, because obviously its application is for philosophy. So it's how it's applied. How our ideas of something that is animistic is applied into philosophy. So obviously they just take or need what they want to in order to create the theory. It's like a... An idea in progress it's like a thought experiment if you will so it doesn't necessarily mean the whole idea of animism of new animism is going to be used in philosophy it only means that they can take ideas from it in order to create ideas about how they expect the universe to be existing So I've been your podcast host, Sarah Jane. I thank you for listening. And in the next episode, we'll look a little bit more about this new animism and how it's applied.